Welcome to the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Hagen, a nutrition coach, entrepreneur, food freedom expert, and forever a recovering disordered eater. I am here to help you own your enoughness, find your very own food freedom, and achieve your health and wellness goals in a way that gives more than it takes. Each week, I will provide you with insight and inspiration surrounding no-nonsense nutrition, mindset, motivation, body image, confidence, and other wellness wisdom. Hi, squad. Welcome back to episode eight of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom podcast. I truly, truly love hearing from all of you, whether it's a review, you've sent me a message or a DM. It means so much to me to know that you are making time for my podcast in your busy life, and I love hearing how that's influencing not only your health, but your mindset and your your results. That's so encouraging to me. If there's anything you would like me to talk about specifically, please do not hesitate to reach out. At the end of the day, this podcast is and always has been for you. So if I can speak into your life more directly or specifically about a topic that you're struggling with or would like to learn more about, hit your girl up. Let me help you. That being said, uh, today's podcast is one I'm excited about because... Let's just be honest, the world of nutrition education is very murky and gray. There is a ton of information out there, not all of it true, not all of it helpful. In fact, a lot of it can be harmful to our goals because we get caught up in these nutrition myths that we think are true. We have great intentions, but in fact are complete nonsense. So I just want to clear up some of this nonsense for you, separate the bullshit from the truth so that you know what to believe when it comes to your nutrition and your results. So without further ado, let's talk about myth number one that I want to uh, clarify, and that is that carbohydrates are bad for you. If you've been living under a rock, you might not know that this year the keto diet has been all the rage. So, you know, every new year there's another thing. This year it's keto, which is not new, mind you. The concept of no carb or extremely low carb has been around for decades. Shout out to the Atkins diet. But uh, it's making another comeback. And we seem to think that all carbohydrates because carbs are sugar, right? It's glucose in our bloodstream, which gives us energy, but we've labeled that as being bad. And I'm here to tell you that that's complete nonsense. Carbs are not bad. That being said, I think, and I mentioned this in a previous podcast, we often throw the baby out with the bathwater. So when we talk about carbohydrates, we cannot just lump all carbs together. I think of them in two separate categories, smart carbs and simple carbs. So the smart carbs are whole grains, legumes, colorful fruits, high fiber, voluminous foods that are giving our body nutrients that we need. Then we have simple carbs that are mostly processed, perhaps packaged, high sugar, not as much fiber foods that aren't as nutritious, but still fall into the carbohydrate category. Think pretzels, think chips and crackers and pastries and cookies and things of that nature. So 
While cutting out or eliminating those processed carbs can be extremely helpful, whether you're just focusing on a health goal or the goal is fat loss, cutting out all carbs entirely is just silly because our bodies need carbohydrates in some degree. I stand by that 100%. Our bodies are all very different, however, so we don't all need the same amount of carbohydrates in our diet. For example, a sedentary person, someone with a desk job who doesn't work out, has a lower carbohydrate demand, she needs less energy than the person who has a very active job, is on her feet all day long, and then engages in a recreational activity, whether she's hitting the gym or going out with friends, playing tennis, whatever it is. So those energy demands between those two women look vastly different, but we don't want to spend the time figuring out how much carbohydrate our body needs to thrive and to perform our best, not to mention feel our best and look our best. So we're like, eh, I'll just cut all those out because the scale goes down when we do. And I know a lot of you struggle with focusing on the scale exclusively. So when we cut out carbs, we're cutting out the water weight that is contained within carbohydrate which is a lot, right? So when I cut carbs, I am also cutting the water weight that my body would hold on to. That means the scale goes down almost every time, which is super attractive, right? That's sexy to see that number go down really quickly, which is why people think low-carb diets work really well for them. However, that result never sticks around unless you plan to live the rest of your life without carbohydrates. And that is never gonna be me, just to clarify. Because I think that sounds terrible, not to mention I have done the work, I have put in the time to explore when my body feels best. And I will be the first to tell you it is with a good amount of smart carbohydrates. And here's how I figured that out. And I often walk my clients through the exact same process trial and error. So let's say we keep our protein and our vegetable consumption at a moderate amount. Those always stay the same. But then for, I would argue, probably about a two-week timetable, we're going to experiment with incorporating meals that have little fat content and a moderate to high carbohydrate content and assess how do you feel? How are you sleeping? How is your exercise feeling for you? If you're working out, how's your energy level overall? How is your fat loss? Then we're going to move to a moderate to high fat content. Remember, protein and vegetable consumption stays the same and a low carbohydrate intake. Now, how do you feel? Are there any differences? Where did you feel your best? And of course, we adjust, tweak, and refine from there. But that gives us a really nice indication of what your body needs based on genetic factors and activity level and when you feel your best. Now, cutting out or minimizing processed carbs can absolutely help you reach your fat loss goal. But the truth, the bottom line is, as long as you're not overindulging, because we know fat loss is a result of being in a caloric deficit, right? So consuming fewer calories than I'm expending, there is nothing inherently harmful about carbohydrates. Hard stop.
In fact, I would argue most of us feel better when smart carbs are an integral part of our well-balanced diet. I know I certainly do. But the best way to figure that out for you and your body, trial and error. And if you need some help with that, give me a shout. I'm happy to help. But carbs are not bad. They do not, I repeat, do not need to be eliminated from your diet in order to reach your goals. And just as a disclaimer, if you're an athlete or someone who is very active, cutting out carbs is arguably one of the most ridiculous things you can do. And I know I'm being a little bit like, controversial, but no, like carbs are energy. So if you are expending a lot of energy on the court, on the field, in the weight room, wherever, you need carbohydrates, okay? Please don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. All right, myth number two. Let's move on from carbohydrates and start talking about fats. Fats also get a bad rap sometimes. And this is something that's been around for several decades because we went through this big, like, oh my goodness, fat causes cardiovascular disease. Stay away from it. It's bad for your heart. And everything became low fat or no fat. And it doesn't take you very long to look at the grocery store shelves and find something that has a label or packaging that says as much. So is fat bad for us? No. <laughs> no, it's not. So fat is actually very, very beneficial. I'm sure a lot of us have heard of the benefits of omega-3s. Now, we often hear that saturated fat is what's really bad for us. And the research actually shows that this is not the case. Saturated fat is not the main driver of cardiovascular disease. At the end of the day, the fat that you really want to avoid is trans fat, which is only typically in packaged products that need to have a long shelf life. So the next time you pick something up at the grocery store, go ahead and look at that nutrition label. Are there any trans fats? This has been shown to do harm and we want to avoid it. But again, the truth, the bottom line is if you're staying in that caloric deficit, you will not gain weight by eating fat. In fact, Fat has been shown to be very satiating. So if I have a meal with fat, I am more likely to be satisfied for longer than if I have a meal without fat. Now again, we're all very unique and individual. It depends on you. It depends on me. However, generally that's what we find. And think about your own life, right? What if I have, and immediately, this is just the first thing that comes to my mind. Let's say I'm making an omelet and I'm gonna make this omelet with lots of veggies, and I'm using my eggs as my protein, and perhaps I'm throwing in some beans or some sweet potato as my carb. If I added cheese or avocado, both of which are healthy fats, to that omelet, that might sustain me for longer as far as hunger. So caloric deficit is most important when it comes to fat loss, and fats are not bad, in fact, low fat or no fat products can actually be worse for you. And here's the example I want you to check out the next time you're at the supermarket. Go to the peanut butter aisle, because who doesn't love peanut butter? And I want you to look at, we'll take GIF since it's a really common brand name. Although if you're for health purposes thinking about stocking your shelves with the peanut butter, I would look for one that doesn't have added sugar. Anyway, side note, GIF, look at the original and then compare the reduced fat version. Now, keep in mind, peanuts are a fat, so reduced fat peanut butter is sort of 
like crazy to think about because it doesn't even make sense. But here's what they've done. They have stripped out some of the fat, but in order to still make it palatable to you, they have to pump it with sugar and salt. So if you look at the sodium, it's higher in the reduced fat version. If you look at the sugar, it's higher in the reduced fat version. That's ridiculous. I would rather you just eat a moderate serving of the original healthy fat than have additional salt and sugar, which has been shown to lead to overeating, right? If something has sugar in it, it's more palatable to us. We probably want to eat more and then we keep eating more and it's harder for us to stay in that caloric deficit. So low fat, no fat, not necessarily better. And fats are not bad. I hope you get that. Speaking of fat, let's just quickly cover this one because I feel like this was addressed a long time ago and yet it's still popping up. I just like, I can't get rid of it. And that is the myth that egg yolks are bad for you. I know the one thing that news and media is very good at is scaring us away from perfectly fine and healthy foods. And this is a perfect example of that. Egg yolks are so full of nutrients it's almost ridiculous. Like it's one of the uh, the best foods for you is an, is a whole egg. So the, the thing that I think we need to get across here is that eating foods high in cholesterol, which is why egg yolks are scary for people, has not been strongly linked to increasing cholesterol levels in your blood. So just to clarify, eating cholesterol doesn't necessarily mean that you will have higher cholesterol. Because in fact, it means that you're consuming it and your body produces less. So sometimes we see favorable decreases in cholesterol when you're eating foods that have cholesterol. So cholesterol is not inherently bad, which is oftentimes not what we think. So I just wanna get it out there that no link between eggs and cardiovascular disease, unless you have a pre-existing condition. So for the average healthy person that has no pre-existing condition, this is not something you need to worry about. Stop avoiding egg yolks because eggs are a fantastic source of protein, fats, and lots of other nutrients. And the news has just blown that shit right out the water. So please, please, please eat eggs. You know, unless of course you're allergic, in which case avoid. (laughs) So let's talk about, uh, we talked about egg yolks. Another really popular myth is that bread is terrible for everyone. Like, oh my gosh, we should all eliminate bread. And I don't want to live a life without bread. I don't know about you, but I think bread has gotten a really bad rap. And arguably because bread contains a lot of gluten. And if you're, you know, in tune with modern day food culture or diet culture, gluten has been getting a bad rap for quite some time. So let's talk about bread and gluten. First of all, I just want to throw it out there that if you are gluten-free or you choose to eat gluten-free, just because something has a label on it that says gluten-free does not mean it's healthier for you. Eating a gluten-free bread product compared to a gluten-containing bread product does nothing to influence your fat loss or your health. Nothing at all. It's just made with a non-wheat containing flour. Almond flour, rice flour, oat flour, like you name it. It's just not gluten containing. But for those of us that do not have a gluten allergy or gluten sensitivity, and I, 
I have a wheat allergy, so I understand that there are those of us out there that do not tolerate either gluten or wheat. They're not the same thing. Well, those of us who fall into the celiac category, these types of individuals, yes, avoid wheat products and gluten-containing products by all means. But for those of you who are completely fine with gluten and wheat, please do not avoid them for health purposes because they are not necessarily healthier. But bread, I think we just need to talk about the fact that bread is not bad. Like bread can be a processed item, yes, but it can actually be a great source of whole grains and a decent source of fiber. And if it means a lot to you, so if you feel more satisfied including bread with a meal, it's totally okay to be a part of your diet. So I don't want you to like throw out all bread. I think this kind of goes in conjunction with the carbs are bad and bread is evil. No, it's not. Um, it's, it's something that can certainly be a part of your diet. What I think we need to be cautious of is bread is a higher calorie food. So in comparison to something like a sweet potato, which is also a carbohydrate, bread has a higher number of calories per volume of that food. And what do we do with bread? Oftentimes we're slathering it with butter or peanut butter or now avocado or jam or honey or whatever you put on your toast or your sandwich. And those things are all healthy fats and are very calorically dense. So like I said, bringing us back to volume, calories in must be lower than calories out if fat loss is the goal. And when we're consuming high calorie foods that don't take up a lot of space in our belly, it's easier to overeat these things. But if you are able to eat it mindfully and in an appropriate portion size, this is fine. Bread is not bad and I don't want you to think it is. So if you really like bread and you also have a fat loss goal, please don't feel like the two cannot coexist because they absolutely can. The next myth, moving right along. I hope this is helpful for you guys. Um, if not, no, it's going to be helpful for you because <laughs> this stuff, I hear it all the time. I see it all the time on social media. And I know some of you are consuming this and probably, you know, making these adjustments to your diet because you've heard it once or a hundred thousand times. And I want to serve as a truth teller in a world where everybody else is trying to be, you know, Instagram friendly. And I'm not all about that. I'm going to ruffle feathers. I'm going to tell you things you don't like to hear. But at the end of the day, it's so that you have the truth and can reach your goals more powerfully and more quickly and unencumbered by diet culture. Like that's my mission. So the next myth I want to talk about is that frozen produce or frozen food is less nutritious than fresh. And this one comes up kind of in an interesting way, but sometimes I'll be talking to a client and they'll say something like, well, I didn't have time to get to the grocery store this week, so I had to have frozen broccoli. Or someone will come to me and say, Nicole, we don't have money to buy organic produce, so I get frozen. Or I got that frozen fish. Is that okay? Like I get a lot of these questions with this understanding that frozen is somehow worse. And it's not. Just because the word is fresh doesn't necessarily mean that it's more nutritious. So 
think about it this way. I could be eating fresh produce straight from the produce section of the grocery store that maybe has been sitting on a truck for days or weeks. I don't know how long. Or I could be consuming frozen, which was frozen right away, packed all the nutrients in there, and now I'm consuming it, right? So it doesn't change the nutrient selection, whether we're talking fresh or frozen fruits or fresh or frozen veggies or proteins. They have a very similar nutrition content. And I don't want you to feel like one is better than another because it's not. It's whatever suits your lifestyle. So if it's easy just to keep steamable bags of veggies in your fridge, fine, go for it. Or excuse me, your freezer, go for it. If it's uh, more budget friendly to buy frozen versus fresh, please do. This is great. Like at the end of the day, and I've used this expression before, it's from Precision Nutrition, which is who I did my nutrition internship through. They're a great company. Um, But they use the expression, don't mow your lawn while your house is on fire. So please do not get caught up with something as nitpicky as fresh versus frozen when the bottom line is you should just be eating more fruits and veggies in general, right? Like just get your diet where it needs to be before we start splitting hairs about these silly things that don't matter whatsoever. So buy frozen food if that's what works better for you. Please, please. The next myth that I want to talk about today is the fact that you need to be taking supplements. I had a client ask me this the other day and she was like, Nicole, everyone at my gym is taking like X, Y, and Z. Do I need to be taking these supplements? Because I feel like my diet is pretty good. And let me just ease your concern and say, no, you do not need to be taking supplements. Now, I do confidently believe that certain supplements have their use and can be beneficial, specifically certain people who could be deficient in something or not getting enough of something by way of their diet. But supplements are always meant to supplement, right? It's in the name in already well-balanced and healthy diet, not replace it. So I think that's where a lot of us get confused is we try to take these supplements in order to justify that we're getting everything that we need and then we don't eat as well when our first point of concern should be getting what you need via food and making sure that your dietary intake is balanced between proteins and carbohydrates and healthy fats and micronutrients, right? So nutrients and, you know, things of that nature that maybe blood panels tell you you're deficient in or something like that. So please do not think, I know there's a lot of supplements out there. I won't even begin to, you know, mention all of them, but you do not need to take supplements. That being said, they can be helpful. Protein powder, for example, is a supplement and a lot of my clients use it and incorporate it into their nutrition strategy because it's easy and convenient compared to other protein sources that likely need cooked or prepped or baked or roasted in some way. So would I suggest a client only consume protein powder as their protein source? Hell no, absolutely not. But can it be really helpful if I have to rush out the door within five minutes of waking up in the morning or if I know I'm gonna be in a car for ages running errands over the weekend? Absolutely, yes, supplements have their use, but you do not need them as a part of your diet. 
So please do not get conned into that. Please do not spend money on supplements. And if you have a question about one specifically, please ask me because over 90% of supplements are just complete nonsense in a capsule, like complete nonsense. It's not giving your body anything. You were just throwing money away. So put your money towards investing in a nutrition coach that can help you work on your well-balanced diet. This one is really getting a lot of attention right now because the food industry has sort of caught on that we're trying to to do well by our bodies. We're trying to eat healthy. And so certain restaurants and companies are marketing themselves as clean eating, quote unquote clean. You don't need to eat clean because I don't even know what the hell that is. Like there's no good definition on what clean actually means. And uh, for some people, it means avoiding highly processed foods. For others, it means eating entirely organic. For others, it means like for religious reasons, I'm avoiding X, Y, and Z. Like it's, there's no one universal definition. And so eating clean is sort of like the natural food label. It has no FDA regulation. Anyone can put natural on the front of their package and it means absolutely nothing. Um, so please don't be sold by clean or natural. If you are choosing to eat mostly whole foods, great, uh, because obviously that's going to be less processed, less packaged. It doesn't necessarily mean that something is clean. It just means that it's more of the earth. Um, stick to the basics. Find foods that you like. Of course, the less processed, generally the better. And if you have the funds and you wish to eat organic, go for it. But if it's not in your budget, please do not stress about this. Like, no, it, it's not going to shorten your lifespan. You will be just fine focusing on vegetable consumption and getting what you need. If you're going to wash it, peel it, great. But no, clean eating is not something to waste your time on. So let that one just fall right out of the back of your brain. You do not have to worry about it. Uh, another one that I want to talk about is that you need to eat more often in order to boost your metabolism. I get this question all the time. Nicole, how many times a day should I be eating to lose fat or to lose weight? And the answer is, it doesn't matter, my friend, however many times you want to. So there is a little bit of truth to this. Digestion does raise your metabolism a little bit, but it's not enough to make a difference in your fat loss. So your meal frequency matters not at all. In fact, they've done some really cool research to show that people, they had one cohort of people that ate six small meals a day and the calories were exactly the same as the second cohort of people that ate one massive meal a day. And they both lost the exact same amount of fat. One group eating six times, one group eating one time. So if the goal is fat loss, it doesn't matter. One, two, three, four, five, six, eat however many times your life allows you to and how you prefer and don't get caught up in the rest. So that's a silly one. You do not need to eat X number of times in order to reach your fat loss goal. Just like, and I'll simply throw this one in there, you don't need to eat breakfast in order to be healthy or reach your fat loss goal. We've often heard that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. You should be eating it. Uh, but again, do what works for you. I have many, many clients who aren't interested in breakfast. And that skipping breakfast does not mean that they make less healthy choices throughout the day. And that would be my, my disclaimer is 
personally, if I didn't eat breakfast, I would be ravenous by the time lunch rolled around and I would most likely make a less healthy choice because I would be so hungry. I wouldn't care. I would just want to like gobble up anything and everything that was in front of me. However, if you're not into breakfast, it's not your thing. You don't need to eat it in order to lose weight. You should base your brekkie on what you like and what your goals are and feel free to experiment with adding it or skipping it and see how that influences the rest of your day. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Um, In order to lose fat, again, just as a reminder, we need to be in a caloric deficit. Now, what often happens, and I see this a lot, is we think that skipping meals is going to help us be in that caloric deficit. So ah, I won't have breakfast because that's going to help me lose weight. But if you're like me and you know that skipping meals, and just as an aside, if you've ever struggled with disordered eating and under eating before, skipping meals is generally just not a good idea. Um, but you can't skip meals those of us who don't do well with that and just expect that to land you in this caloric deficit because that ends up promoting feelings of restriction and deprivation and then you're ravenous, like I said. So then later at night, you end up eating two times as much as you normally would had you eaten breakfast in the morning, even if it was something small. So we've talked about how restricting aggressively always leads to binging and overeating. That's your body's defense mechanism. So if skipping meals doesn't feel right for you, don't do it. It's not for me. I don't like skipping meals. But if you feel like you're forcing yourself to eat every morning, you're in a different camp entirely. Please don't. You don't need to force yourself to eat ever. Okay, what's next on my list here? Um, I think the last one that I'll touch on, and just because it's so closely correlated with what we just talked about, is the don't eat after 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. to lose fat. I hear this one a lot too. In fact, I was just at a gym giving a presentation a couple weeks ago, and I said this. I was like, oh, it doesn't matter what time you eat. You can still lose weight. And there was a woman whose jaw like physically dropped. I don't think I've ever seen that happen before. And I was like, oh, that caught you by surprise. I see. Uh, This is one that, again, it's kind of been stuck. It just is around. Like, don't eat late. And I think we've confused why. Again, it doesn't matter how often you eat throughout the day. It doesn't matter at all. And your body doesn't care whether it's 8 in the morning or 8 p.m. at night. That's not, it doesn't make a difference with how you store fat. It's again, if you're in a caloric deficit, you will lose. If you're in a caloric surplus, you will gain. Eating late at night does not make you fat. Unless what you're choosing at night is packaged and processed and filled with sugar. So you want to keep eating it. So if it causes you to eat more because you're eating late, then yes, that could hinder your goals. But here's why eating late at night has gotten a bad rap. When was the last time you sat down in front of your TV to unwind at the end of the night and you chose like a delicious mixed green salad with some grilled chicken breast on top? Or you had like that omelet I talked about earlier. No, you're always sitting in front of the TV with like a bag of chips or a packet of cookies or Oreo. Girl Scout, like who knows what it is? It doesn't matter, but it's oftentimes those high calorie, very tasty snacks that after a long day, you are mindlessly eating. So if that's what you're finding yourself struggling with, first of all, get it out of the house, right? We're victims of our environment. So if it's not there, you can't eat it. 
but then maybe make a different choice to show yourself like I, I can eat whenever I want to. If I'm genuinely hungry, by all means eat, but make a smarter choice. Have, I don't know, a Greek yogurt parfait or something that's more nourishing and isn't going to allow you to eat the whole bag or the whole box. But 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m., it doesn't matter when your cutoff is. I know I've heard some clients say like, well, I had a really long day and I didn't get home till nine and I didn't want to eat then because it was too late, so I didn't eat and then I was starving in the middle of the night and I woke up the next morning with like this bad headache. Please, don't do that. Listen to your body. Your body knows what it's doing. We are just really bad at listening to it. So I hope this was helpful debunking these myths. For those of you who are interested in this type of information, I love examine.com. It's a website, um, E-X-A-M-I-N-E.com. And it's a completely like unbiased source on nutrition and supplements. And they compile all the research and they, they show you what the outcome is. So like, is this worth believing? Is this really a thing? Or was the research poorly done? It's beautiful. So if you're interested in learning more, check that out. If you just love hearing it from me, I'm happy to do the research for you. But at the end of the day, don't get caught up in these nutrition myths because they are complete nonsense and a waste of time. I encourage you to learn how to listen to your body, eat according to your taste buds and according to what leaves you feeling your best each and every time. And if that's something you're interested in exploring more and diving into, you know where to find me. Come visit me at nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com or find me on social media. I am here to help you reach your big, powerful goals. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Health, Wealth, and Wisdom Podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and then head on over to nutritioncoachingwithnicole.com where you can sign up for my weekly emails where I send out my favorite tips, tricks, advice, and support every single Monday morning to help you kick your week off right. Thanks for listening. Until next time.